So <clears throat> this morning's message is on stewardship. Now, I went through a series of lessons last year about uh, being an effective steward. And, you know, I was thinking about this, and it's something that, you know, it, it's, a, it's an, really an a ever-revolving subject in my mind and in my heart. And, you know, there's, there's some dynamics at, at play in all the churches that, you know, at least in our church that I can speak to. You know, you look at, you know, how can we truly understand the meaning of stewardship? And so really, if you look at the Greek word in a lot of places, and actually most of the places that we're going to look at it, and this is just, I'm just going to give you the definition, okay, is uh, it just means manager. That's what it means. Uh, it does have a tendency in some applications it means money manager. So in other words, an accountant would be uh, what we would say could be a, a, um, a steward. Uh, and so, but keep in mind that stewardship does not only mean, and that's kind of the, one of the things I talked about, and, and we all do it, right? If you think about stewardship, somebody automatically jumps to financial, right? And, and that's fair. Because that does apply, but that's not all of it. And so we're going to look at some scripture this morning that, that hopefully uh, conveys the idea and what I found in the scripture. And I think that is for us as, as God's people to continue always to, to, to grab that next gear. And before we get into that, you, you've, I've, you've all heard me share the law of the pendulum, right? I've all shared that with you guys, right? That, that, and, and it's nothing that I may have coined the phrase that to my knowledge, but that's just like being Captain Obvious, okay? But for the lack of a better term, we have a tendency to, you know, we, we have wild swings. When something goes one way, we just, wow, we come back. And it's human nature that, that we do that thing, right? And so, and you go, well, okay, now here's where I, uh, here's where I, I, this, this is the lodge of pendulum applies to today. And I'm just, I'm presenting this to you guys so that you guys can think about it, pray about it, maybe study it for yourselves. Okay. Salvation is in the body. Yes. Amen. Right. Is the body, the origin of salvation? Where is salvation origin? It's in Jesus Christ. Preachers for a long time have spent so much time talking about salvation being in the body that we forgot that the body is not the origin of the salvation and that salvation only occurs in the body in as much as we are found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? Yes. I mean, that's the truth because at the end of the day, see, this is where we get, sometimes we get off and we go, where did that come from? Well, how does that apply to the pendulum? Well, we've had some folks that have granted salvation to everybody. They get everything lock, stock, and barrel on the front end, right? And then people can walk away with it. And I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's what the scripture teaches. But you can also not negate the fact that salvation is a gift. Amen? There ain't a single thing you or I that, that are going to do. There's not a list of items that we will hit to deserve salvation. It's not going to happen. It's designed that way. And you say, well... Well, then the flip side, the other side of that pendulum is what? No, there are works. There are things that we need to do. There are absolutely both of those. But the truth is somewhere in between. What do you mean? 
Salvation starts at faith, does it not? Does it not start there? One of us say we have to make the proclamation that this Jesus Christ and whom we believe in and that, that I've read about in Scripture, that he is my Savior and that I have to begin to follow him. It has to start somewhere. Amen? Amen. I mean, it does. Now, does it need to be enacted upon and does it need to be taken to the next step? Absolutely. You go, well, why? Well, because at some point, that initial belief begins to wane, doesn't it? If you get no... Uh, if you get no, no uh, backup teaching, no, no, no support system, it'd be like turning somebody loose. It'd be like, you know, I have heart problems. Say, say you have heart problems. And boy, man, they give you this heart pill. They say, you know what? This heart pill will take care of you. You're like, yeah, great. You take it once. You're like, man, I felt great when I was on that pill. And you never get it again. It might last a week or two. But what you're designed for, if you have a weakness in your heart or an ailment in your heart, is guess what? The prescription can, needs to continue to be taken so that you can continue to reap the benefits of it, right? Whatever the failure is in our life or whatever the, the problem that we have, we need to have that. So that's the law of the pendulum. And so I, I present these things to you guys today. Stewardship falls in this. You go, what do you mean? Because I've, I've been amazed sometimes that there's been this wild gap. We preach so hard about the church, right? Say membership in the church is so fundamental. It's key. Obviously, I'm preaching to a bunch of church members in here, right? I mean, I mean, it is important. You cannot negate the importance of it in the scripture. Amen? Amen. You can't. It's there. But simply being a part of the church is literally just getting your foot in the door. And I will petition to you today that simply being a member is akin to taking your talent and burying it in your tent. So what I present to you today, so, see, you know, sometimes some brethren might, might be thinking, oh, Jerry's gone off his, his rocker. He's plumb off the end of the deep end. What I'm presenting to you guys today is a far more difficult path in which to serve God. Because we have to take it beyond mere membership. That's like getting a gym membership and hoping that you're going to be skinny. That's not how that works. I wish it was. Believe me. But having a gym membership on your phone, which now they're all on your phone, you can't have it dangling from your keychain anymore because used to you'd be able to bleep your thing when you walk in, right? Now it's on your phones. Having the app on your phone doesn't work. That's the very beginning of it. Well, membership is, is so important. And, and they, hey, look, I'm the, I, I'm the first one to tell you that, hey, maybe I'm one of the preachers that help perpetuate this thought process. Because you, you look at it and go, you want people to become members of the church. You want people to, to join the church. But really, what we should look at is, is go, well, what's the purpose and the reason behind that? Listen, every one of us in here, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, have become a steward of him. Once you put your faith in him, you now live by a, a different set of rules. Amen? Outside of Christ, you're governed by the world. Do whatever you want. Now, obviously, there's going to be repercussions for that, and we know that the Lord deals with those things, but that's not what we're speaking about today. Today, we got to understand that every one of us in here has to understand that our, our lives and, the, and, and our membership— 
and and who we are in Christ is a is is a a form of stewardship. Not just our finances, but the lives that we live. Okay, and I'll get to some of those scriptures here in just a moment. And so we got to understand about us that pendulum, the law of the pendulum, how it swung so wildly. And so what happens is, guess what? Because we put everything, this is an observation of mine, because we put everything and solely in the membership of the church body. And I don't think any one guy sat down and said that this is exactly how it was. It kind of just morphed into that, right? And it was the it was the opposite of giving everything away. We said, oh, it's all right here. It's all right here. It's all right here. Guess what we did? We created a room full of spectators. Because all you have to do is sit out there and you've got it covered. Because all you need to do is pay for somebody to come in here and speak to you and entertain you. Because I'm already a member. It's secured. You understand? Oh, wait a minute. Well, here we got this group over here giving it away, giving it free and just saying, hey, everything, don't worry about it. You got it. Walk away, lock, stock, and barrel. And then you got another group going, no, once you're here, you got it. It's lock, stock, and barrel. Neither of which are accurate. Neither are accurate. God did not call you to his body to be a bump on a log. He called us to action. He called us to service. He called us to be beacons in this community. How do you achieve that? Simply, we are living proof, folks, that simply having a building is not good enough. That is not the beacon. Is it part of it? Sure, it's probably a little part of it, right? There's some folks in the neighborhood that can see us and they can understand us, right? And they can understand what we do and how we meet, when we meet, and all those great things. All those things are good. Don't want to change that. That's not what I'm saying. But that's only just the tip of the iceberg. We must understand it. There's a, there's, in Hebrews chapter 6, and I'll just mention it. You can go there and read it. About washing, salvation, all those things. He says he mentions those things. They're elementary. They're elementary teachings. But we've spent the last 50 years arguing about the most elementary things in the Bible. We let the most elemental things divide us, cause arguments, cause problems, cause dissensions, cause issues. The most elementary things. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. That's the way I look at it. Everybody wants to be smart guy. Everybody wants to be the guy in charge. I'm so smart. Let me tell you how smart I am. Let me tell you, I got it all figured out. I got it all figured out. You know what? We pay too much attention to those kind of things. We forgot that God has placed this church right here in this community to be that beacon, to share the gospel message to the people that are here. We spend too much time paying attention to what other people think or believe. 
Well, I can't believe they're teaching that. Okay, cool. How many conversions have we had? How many people, how many new people have we walked through that door? Oh, I say, well, you know, it's not about numbers, brother. Yeah, it's not about numbers, except for we keep reducing. And I can tell you right now, that's a church that doesn't understand their proper stewardship. Because God has entrusted us with something and we're supposed to do something with it. And that's the message and premise of today's of today. Okay, is that God has entrusted us with something and you're supposed to do something with it. So am I. And sitting on a bump on a log ain't it. In Luke chapter 12. And near the end of the chapter, in verse 42, he says, And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, My master will be a long time in coming. And begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. And the master will, uh, of that slave will say on the day when he does not expect him, and the hour that he does not know, will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord to his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not... But, to, but the one who did not know it and committed the deeds worthy of flogging, he will receive but few. For everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. There's an expectation, isn't there? Brethren, I'm here to tell you that merely existing is not enough. Mere membership is not enough. Is it a good first step? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it is. It is fundamental in the progress and path in which that we begin to serve Christ. But it is not enough. It can't be enough for all of us. We all got to realize that that it's just not enough, right? He tells him there. He says, "Look, either we're going to do what's right with it, and you say that one, that slave." Or that manager there, actually that, that, that term steward there in Luke chapter 12 is, is the same word that it uses in other places we'll get to. But it's, it's the term manager. He didn't manage what, God, what his master had given him to do. You know, management comes in, you know, you look at integrity, uh, all, all the things that go along with that. I don't want to get going. So in Luke chapter 16, another scripture here in verse 1 it says now he was also saying to his disciples there was a rich man who who had a manager and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions and he called him and said to him 
What is this that I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm not. I'm, I'm ashamed to beg. I know that I know what I shall do. So so that when I'm removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, how much uh, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of your, your unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use, use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can, be ser- can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The idea behind that is, are you managing properly what God has entrusted you with? You go, well, just talking about finances. It's not what we're talking about. You see, we're going to get to something here in just a moment that I think is very, very important for us to understand. And it's something that we'll all amen, and it is true. But I think that there's a gap sometimes when we draw the correlation into our own lives and we go, oh, wait a minute. This whole life is a life of stewardship. This whole life, everything that God has entrusted us with, the blessings, everything that we have, it's all his. He's gauging us. He's watching us by the lives that we live, not just because we're here today, although that is a good thing. But the lives that we live, the way that we treat people, the way that we interact with people, the the witness that we bestow upon people and that we share with people, with our family members and everything that we do, we've all been entrusted with a certain amount. And I'll get to that here in just a moment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, let's go here real quick. Verses 1 and 2, he says, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Huh, interesting. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. Well, you know, but they're the leaders of the church. Well, maybe they've given us an example and an understanding of there's a certain level of Here's that bad word. It's a bad word that all of us hate. It's called responsibility. Salvation is a gift. Stewardship is our responsibility. We've blurred those lines. We've blurred those lines that we based our salvation on our responsibility. Uh-uh. We're responsible because of our salvation. Does that make sense? Titus chapter 1, 
verse 5, it says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain. You go, wow, yeah, he must be a good, as it says there, God's steward. Look, it doesn't, hopefully you all understand that my stewardship level and yours are different. There's a lot of similarities, but nonetheless, there's probably a lot of you out there. Well, yeah, a pastor has a stewardship. He has responsibilities, right? He has a certain level of things that he's supposed to manage, right? We all understand that. But that does not preclude or escape the rest of the assembly from understanding that they have stewardship responsibilities as well. He does enough or he's got enough. No, no, no. That's not how that works. And listen, nobody in here is saying that. So that's a pretty easy sale, I think. Pretty easy for us to understand those kind of things. But we cannot understand. You say, well, it's highlighted right here. Well, okay. Um, there's some other scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> now, go back and read. Chapter 1, or I'm sorry, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. I'm going to jump in here in verse 10. It says, as each one has received a special gift, because I do believe that each one of us in this body has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, Colossians chapter 3, there's lots of different places we can go. You say, do your work as in the Lord, right? And you're like, well, wait a minute. Who do we really work for? And I got a special gift. I got a calling. I got all these different things. You do. But really, an understanding of those things is that it's not necessarily here. I mean, it is here. When you're here, you have a gift. You have a calling. You have something that, that God has placed inside you. And I do believe he does do that, by the way. Every one of us in here and every one of you in here has a special piece of something that God has given you. And, and, and all his expectation is, is for you to use it. Is to put it into practice. Now, we can get into the varying degrees and varying responsibilities. It's not fair for me to say you have the same responsibility. Say Brother Vosser has the same responsibility level as, as you know, uh, Brother Chris. It's not the same responsibility level. It depends on the situation and the circumstances, right? It just does. And it would be like, you know, grabbing Gabe and saying, okay, Gabe, you need to get up here and uh, start the services off today. Right? Look at him. He's hiding under the Bible right now. That's not fair, Right? And, and this is where we've done some things over the years. And I used to be this guy. Believe me, I used to be this guy. Every man needs to be a teacher. Do you realize what you say when you do that? And when you require every man to teach in the church? You're saying that the design of God is not good enough. You can do it better. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody should be forced into that. That's like pressing someone into service. That is a really bad idea. I learned that very early on after I became a pastor. You know when that was a great idea? When I was a preacher. That was a really great idea when I was a preacher. Everybody should be this. 
It's like when you know, before you have kids, you're the best parent ever. I'm being serious. You're the best parent ever. I could tell you right now, this is what I'd do. Yeah, that's not how that works. Then you have a couple kids, you're like, oh my God, I'm barely keeping it all together. You know what I mean? It's a wild ride, right? Pastorship, kind of the same way. Those kind of things, you make those declarative statements, you go, oh, everybody should be this. Eh, wrong answer. Especially when you understand that God has placed in the body just as he desires. So if you say, no, that's my desire, I'm going to put someone, I'm going to force somebody in that. What you've done in essence is you said that the design of God is not good enough. I can do it better. That is a really bad place to be. Not wise. You cannot like what I have to say. Right? You can say, man, that's a little rough. He's pulling the band-aid off. And every week he's like pulling, ripping band-aids off. Hey, look it. It's, we got to preach the truth in here, don't we? We got to be uh, truthful and honest with myself. I can tell you right now, I've been the guy that's been, been as, as much of guilty of that as anybody in here. But the revelations, they come and you're like, hey, look, I, this is a really bad way of doing things. It's not fair. And do we understand when we say those kinds of things, its implications as according to the Bible, what that means? We don't. And I don't think that it's, again, I don't think it's something that's done by somebody that, and I can tell you from my personal perspective, when I would say those things, I really believed what I was saying was right. I really believed, I, I thought it was in the scripture, but it's, it's actually not. Matter of fact, it's the opposite. And in my arrogance, you could say those kinds of things. You, in your arrogance, you say, I think everybody should be this. And you go, okay, well, what about God? And what about, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's where we get mixed up sometimes. We think that the church is ours. You all think that this is yours, right? We have a tendency to think, well, this is our church. Eh, wrong answer. We've been entrusted with this body. We are stewards in this body. This body is his. He's called us to work in his field, to do his labor, to go to work, to do his job while we're here. It, and it happens. Listen, I'll be the first one to tell you. It happens to all of us. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I didn't have these issues sometimes myself, right? You start thinking, well, I'm going to do it this way or, or God's going to do it this way or this way. And make these declarative statements. Whoa, 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 wait a time out. This is the Lord's. I present these things to you guys today because I do feel that it is something that is, is, is very important and has weighed really heavily on my heart. And it's also allowed me to bridge a couple gaps in my mind and in my heart. And so with, with some of the things that I believe that God has, has uh, placed in my heart. And so now I told you a little bit ago that I was going to tell you, um, give you that second portion, right, of, of this stewardship, right? So covered what is a steward, right? Basically, we're a manager of the Lord. In other words, he's entrusted us with 
our body. He's entrusted us here on this earth. He's entrusted us with the gospel of salvation, the good news. He's entrusted us with that. He's entrusted us. The spirit has been placed out uh, uh, amongst his people. The spirit is, is something that enlivens us, inspires us. He's given us all these things, right? Amen to all that, right? We're good. But we must understand without question, we don't own it. Understood? We are merely stewards of God's. He is, oh, wait for it, our master. Well, this is really hard for us. Oh, my God. <laughs> he mic dropped. That's what he did. But he is. He's our master. Well, now all of us understand that. And all of us, and some of us may be, may be able to say those things, right? But do we live those things? Do we approach it from that understanding and that, and that kind of heart, if you will? Now, I am not going to read because this would be a longer study. But if you go over and you read... Uh, I have to read this one in, in Matthew chapter uh, uh, 24. I know everybody's going to be like, oh, man, you're going to preach out of that one again. I'm not. I'm going to give you guys the abridged version. You can go back and read this yourself, okay? Matthew chapter 24, you can go back and read that one, actually, verses 42 through 51, also in Matthew chapter 25. Um, now, it rolls into chapter 25. There's just a couple scriptures I'm going to grab here for you guys, okay? Now, this is understanding our level of stewardship, right? Understanding our stewardship, okay? To the degree, I think, is very, very important. He's not just talking about our finances, okay? All right, so, now, in chapter 25... Verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So is it fair to say that at least in the first part of Matthew chapter 25, we're talking about the kingdom, amen? Yeah, that, that's the subject, right? And the ten virgins... There were five wise and five, or five prudent and five foolish. The five wise took oil in their lamps and they, had their, they were trimmed and ready to roll, right? So when the bridegroom came out to meet them, hey, they showed up. He was there. Hey, them foolish ones, they weren't. They were like, hey, bro, let me borrow some oil. And they're like, no, not happening. I only got enough for me. So you need to go back and get your own. And then you can come back. Well, by the time that happened, guess what happened? Bridegroom came. Oops, sorry, see you later. The procession took off. Now, for information purposes, it was a normal occurrence in, 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 in Jewish cities and things like that. There was, a, there was a procession that went through town. So this was something that it was a wedding procession. Okay, they all took lamps or they all took candles and things like that. And they went on a journey to the house where the, where the party was going to be where the meal was going to be offered, and that's where they all would. So everybody was invited to go on that journey as long as you had lamps. Well, you couldn't be a part of it if your lamp wasn't trimmed or you didn't have any oil in it, right? So Jesus, when he gives them this example here, it was very much a cultural thing that they did, that they 
fully understood what he was talking about. It would be akin to what, how our wedding ceremonies go today, right? I mean, there's certain things, you know, the, 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 the female walks down the aisle and they, that certain song that they play, I can't remember the name of that song. What's the name of the song? Wedding March, thank you. So the wedding march and do, 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 you know, that, that whole progression, right? And then there's a, usually a reception afterwards, so on and so forth. We have our own set of, uh, of customs. Now, everybody does it a little bit different. But they do. Now, you skip down to the parable of the talents. Now, we're familiar with all this, okay? Thank God he's left the subject of the kingdom. He hasn't. But yet, over the years, where I've failed to maybe misapply this or maybe misunderstand its full application is probably the better way of putting it is that he has not left the kingdom subject when he's talking about the parable he say well you know you look at the, the parable of the town what are the talents you know what are all the things that you the point of it is is that look he's he still hasn't left he said the man about to go on a journey called slaves and entrusted those possessions with them in other words the manager the owner the boss said here's what i entrust you with you get five, you get two, you get one. Right? Pretty self-explanatory. With the expectation, he didn't need to cover all the rules with them. They understood. All of them understood. The first two really understood. The last person, the last slave in that scenario did not understand completely. He understood intellectually. What? You mean there's a difference between understanding intellectually and understanding practically 100% a table saw will cut your fingers off I had a shop teacher he had like he couldn't give you a high 10 he'd give you like a high eight and a half you know what I mean saws cut his fingers off at varying degrees along the ways right <laughs> throughout the years you go well, wait a minute he forgot in those moments, whatever it was, that the saw can cut your finger off. Well, I read it once where it says, yeah, you got to be real careful. That's not it. <laughs> That's not how it works. You got to understand that when you use that saw, there are certain things and certain safeties and things that you use to protect your digits. Don't just use it. See, there's a, there's a big gap sometimes. Say, intellectually, I know what the Bible says. I know my master to be a hard man. I knew that. But yet here we stand. I've come back. It's been a long time. I've come back. And you give me exactly what I left you with. You wicked and lazy slave. What is... What would that be akin to? I'm saved. I've been a member. But you have no works. You have, you didn't do anything with the gospel message for your existence. You go, how could that even be possible? When we tell everybody all that matters is that you're a member. That's how that happens. You quantify someone's value with just being a member. Well, you're here. 
I'm not trying to de-qualify or to de-emphasize the importance of membership. Obviously, that would be counterintuitive to what we do, right? Membership is important, but it's a membership of enlivened and impassioned people dedicated to do something with what the master has entrusted us. All varying levels. Your responsibility level is different than mine, and so on and so forth. Sitting back on our laurels is not going to cut it. Now, you say, well, I was talking about the church. Now, let's break it down on an individual level, okay? And I won't spend much, much longer here, okay? Because there's some things that, that I think are important for us to understand. In uh, 1 Corinthians... First Corinthians chapter six. These scriptures, every one of us in here, I am. Fu- I fully believe that you all out there understand these things, and you're gonna go, yeah, okay, that makes sense, okay. All right, we gotta understand where we're going with this, okay? Verse nineteen, or do you not know? Go back and read the whole chapter, verse six. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He's talking about, I believe, the collective body of, of the church. Whom you have heard from God. And he does say also, I believe, in a collective fashion. Something very, 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 very important. You are not your own. Huh? I am too. I am me. Well... Inasmuch as you find yourself in Jesus Christ, your identity is found in him. You gave that up. We gave up our own personal identity. When we went through those baptismal waters, one person came out a new person. Didn't we? You put to death that old man or that old woman that went into those waters, you came out to walk in a newness of life. You became at that point a steward of the Lord. Oh, wait a second. Romans chapter 6. You go back and read these things yourself. The whole chapter anyways. It says, knowing this, in verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. It says, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Uh We died. We went in those baptismal waters and we came out a slave. No longer a slave to sin, but a slave to Jesus Christ. We changed masters, didn't we? 
We're not rogue agents running around here doing whatever we want. That's not how this works. It's not, it's not the design. And really, a cattle on a thousand hills is all God's, is it not? It, this is all his. This earth, he's going to redeem it. I mean, so we can pretend, even atheists out there. I love atheists, right? He's like, I'm an atheist, right? I don't believe in God, so therefore you are your own God. It's in essence, what it is. Because I'm so dang smart, I've got it all figured out. Well, then you're your own God. Like it or not, there's some inalienable things that happen to mankind. There is always a quest for a higher being. And atheists just choose that they are the higher being. Now, will they say it that way? No. But really, when you look at it, I'm so dang smart, I've got it all figured out. Okay, so you're your own God. Well, there's still an accounting. <laughs> there's, still, there's still something that, that goes along with that. And Christians are kind of the same way. Well, I've got it all figured out. I know what the Bible says. Whoa, you're not supposed to figure out what it says. You're, supposed, you're just supposed to figure out what to do with it. And how do you work that and use that in your service to him? In Romans chapter 14, I will conclude with this one. But there's another message. I have another message prepared for this because I think that there is an absolute correlation for us or a transition from this very subject where we understand what stewardship is and we understand that we have relinquished our identity. We have relinquished our former self in those baptismal waters. We've come to walk in a newness of life. What does that really mean? Listen, you all and myself included, we have entered into an agreement with the Lord. He is your master. He is my master. What he says goes. We are not rogue agents running around figuring it out for ourselves. That's not how that works. Now, he may allow you to do that, but it comes at a cost. And that's the booger of all of it, right? You go, I can run around doing whatever I want. I can treat people like crap. I can do all these different things. I can run around being a bad person, but I show up on Sunday and everything's good. You may be able to do that. But just understand, there is an accounting. Because once you've made the declaration and once you've gone through, gone through those baptismal waters, you have a new master. Your boss is different. In Romans chapter 14... It says, for not one of us, verse 7, for not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Now, I will... This, I'll leave you with this last thought. You, me, all of us in here, in this church, in this body, I only speak for this body, okay? We are stewards of the Lord. Everything. You understand that your identity, our identity is found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Really, 
our origin now is found in Christ. From where we began. And this is where I think that sometimes we've gotten some things off. There's some things that we've done over the years. And, and there'll probably be more, right, that we've done over the years where we have failed to realize that there's one boss and we ain't it. I will petition to you all today. I've shared this with you guys, a husband and a wife. The husband and wife relationship, right? You say, well, you know, the, the wife needs to be subservient to the husband and so on and so forth and all these different things, right? I petition to you all today is that they are both equal servants in the Lord. Just entrusted with different responsibilities. Just like a pastor that stands before you today, I am a servant of the Lord just as much as you are. My responsibility level is different. Your responsibility level is different. Listen, you go, everything that God has entrusted us from our, from our homes to our cars to our children to the people that he places in our lives. Those are all a part of who you are as a steward of God. Does that make sense? Because we quantified our existence and quantified, made our value solely just service attendance. We've devalued and, and lost the importance of understanding proper stewardship in the body. Proper stewardship in this world. Listen, every one of us, I'm a firm believer. This, we've come up with some wacky rules. And, and you go, I, I've often wondered why you can't go on vacation, why you can't be a cop, and why you can't be all these different things. There's certain jobs, all these different things you look at. You hear all these things that we can't do, right? Why? Because it's man's attempt at creating a subset of rules to identify what they perceive as righteousness in life. And it's an absolute fundamental misunderstanding that you and I are not the boss. We are stewards. So how you treat your wife or how you treat your children, you are being gauged by. How you interact with the people at work or how you interact with your customers, how you interact with your neighbors, that is, that is all a part of you as a steward of the Lord. Your identity is that. Your identity is in Christ Jesus, right? Amen? That's it. All of that. You say, well, it's not just financial. It's not just fiscal. It's not. Our stewardship permeates everything of our lives, every aspect of our lives, who we work with, who we interact with. That means that you as a Christian can't run around treating people like garbage. Why? Because you're going to answer for that at some point. Well, but I was here. No, oh, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. You can't do crooked business deals. You can't treat people like garbage because you think you can because... And oftentimes we do that because we think nobody will ever find out. Right? They'll never know. But you forget that God knows and sees it. That's why all the things that we do in secret, whether good or bad, God sees. Oh, wait a minute. I may not, but God does. Understand that this is this is probably. I, and please, I'm trying to. 
I'm going to finish after this. And it says, you know, the idea behind this is it is another level. It is a, what I would call another level of depth to our understanding of stewardship. Um, and it is a migration away from some of those, some of the old thought processes that we have. But it, it, it is a, a necessary migration for us and a, de, a, ne, a necessary process for us to transition from those elemental things that somebody or a series of people over the years have come up with, right? That you look at and go, they have netted no benefit. None whatsoever. Well-intentioned people, but they, they're not, they, those things, it's, it, it, we, we've, we allowed it to turn into something that, that caused us to lose sight of the fact that we're all just stewards. God has entrusted us with a certain amount here, a certain amount in this body, a certain amount of everything in our lives. He's, he's given us a certain amount of kids, right? For those that have kids, he's given us a, a certain spouse or a certain husband, a certain wife, certain husband, certain children. He's given us certain neighbors. He's given us these lives that he's given us. Certain jobs, certain occupations. I am a firm believer that the church should be an absolute representation of the people of the community in which it resides. Whether it be cops, firemen, correctional officers, um, oil-filled workers, you name it. All of them, teachers, counselors, moms, all of it. All of those things, all of them are what make up who we are. And they're a true representation of real life. And it doesn't matter the occupation. It doesn't matter what you do as a living or for a living. If you put your stewardship to Jesus Christ above everything else, you'll be successful. There's no man-made job, no physical job that's going to prevent you from serving God. It's not going to happen. Now, are there jobs that can make it more difficult? Absolutely. That's another subject for another day. So may the Lord bless you and keep you all.